There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick and special guest today, Kurt Heelan at Basketball Talk on Twitter, NBC's own. Thanks for joining us today, Kurt. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the trade deadline, some futures markets, and then awards markets. Uh, Kurt is one of the 100 voters on this award, so looking forward to get on these awards. So looking forward to getting into that with him. But let's start off, Kurt, just by talking broadly about which team has been the biggest surprise for you so far this season, good or bad? Good, it's the Thunder, right? Like, I, I thought they'd be good. I thought they'd be, hey, man, maybe they could get a, some breaks and get to the sixth seed. And, yeah, I didn't see this. I didn't see – I mean, I thought Shea might make a leap. I wasn't – Jalen Williams making this kind of leap, Holmgren having this kind of impact as a rookie. Like, I just didn't think it was going to come together this fast, this well. And, uh, yeah, the – I mean, I don't know. Guys, I don't see them as legit title contenders. I think they probably still have some playoff learning, right? But they're way better than I thought they were, and they're way more entertaining than I thought they'd be. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the uh, The Thunder were someone, what, 42 win total expected before yeah. the season? And that was a huge step forward from last year where they overachieved, and it was like... <laughs> Really, you think they can go that? Well, they're going to blow through that by the end of March, so it's it's that's not even yeah. going to come close. <laughs> the, uh, how about uh, to the uh, to the bad side? Did uh, did you have any inkling that the trap door was going to open under the Warriors like this? No, I thought I I went into the season with a kind of like, hey, if if everything goes right for them, like I I had them in my if everything goes right tier before the season, along with you know the Lakers and a bunch of other teams. Um, Things have not gone right, but I didn't think that. I mean, I didn't think Wiggins would be this bad. I thought Clay would get a little bit better, and he's not. Um, even if he's not convinced, he's not. Um, uh, it just the whole the whole thing's a real mess. And guys, I don't think they do anything at the trade deadline because what trade or even frankly trades are they making that turns this around? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that, I mean, you might want to make a trade, but who wants to take on Wiggins' contract? Who wants to really take on Clay Thompson at this point? And to me, I mean, there's been a lot of focus on Wiggins and some of the bench pieces not being inspiring. But I think the biggest problem is that when Curry, Draymond and Clay are on the court together, the Warriors are losing those minutes. And when those three guys were on the court, even just a couple of years ago when they won the title, you know, we're seeing double-digit net ratings. It was championship yeah. stuff, and they went on to do that. But the fact that they've all fallen off a little bit, I think, and, and Curry is surging at the moment, but I think that's a bigger problem uh, as any. Uh, and Kaminga in the starting lineup and leaning into that, that's probably the right move. But, I mean, what's the ceiling here as they surge and they get the nine seed, the eight yeah. seed, and then they're probably uh, there's probably just not that much ceiling with how old these guys are. 
Let's uh let's go to the trade deadline. Kurt, any team in particular that you're keeping an eye on that you think will acquire talent uh, making a push down the home stretch? Guys, have we seen the biggest trades? I, mm. I got a feeling with Siakam, with Ananobi, you can throw Harden, which was a while ago, in there if you want. I mean, what's the biggest name left? It's it's maybe DeJounte Murray gets moved. So I, I don't know how much anything – there's a lot – I think there's going to be a bunch of trades. I think there'll probably be a dozen trades. But it's going to be Bruce Brown, Kelly Olynyk, Spencer Dinwiddie. Everybody's going to move some role players around. But I don't know that you're going to see the blockbusters we've come to expect on, on the trade deadline. That said, look, the teams that are buying are the teams – some of the teams we talked about. The Lakers would love to find a way to keep LeBron James happy because he's not. He's a tad frustrated. Um, and, I, you know – Maybe they, but I don't, I don't, honestly, they're kind of in the same boat as the Warriors to me. Like, all right, let's go get DeJounte Murray and have to give up. I mean, nobody wants D'Angelo Russells, but let's say they figure out this trade. How much better does that really make them? Like, where are they then? They're more threatening. They're capable of putting together short bursts. So I think they're going to try to make a move. The Knicks want to desperately add, desperately would overstate it maybe, but the Knicks want to add a little more depth. A little more shooting. Another guy, they Bruce Brown. You know, guys, I'll ask you: Doesn't Bruce Brown seem plug and play with the Knicks? Yes, <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> plug and play, and you can flip him for Fournier, who will, and just let the man loose and let him go back and play in Europe where he wants to be. Can we, we just let the guy go play some ball? Um, <clears throat> Olenek is okay. going to be an interesting one. I think there's a lot of teams that love another floor spacing big, but I don't know. I don't. I don't see. I, I don't. I just don't see the big bold move that's out there that right. changes the dynamic of what we're looking at. Do you guys see anything like that? Well, not exactly, but I have been kind of. And because your point is fair, like there's some buyers. Um, the buyers don't necessarily seem like you're buying to get to a championship level. You maybe you're buying to get out of the first round, or in the case of the Lakers, maybe you're buying to get into the play you know, into the first round. Yeah. Um, but the uh, you know there's there's definitely a lack of sellers, and that's surprising because we and and you yeah. know I'm, I'm I was kind of confused by all this because like the way that it seemed, the way that they structured the apron and the tax and all of this, it made it seem like having more in-season action was going to be likely and uh, it does feel like things are dried up right now and it's yeah. surprising the team that i was kind of the most interested in have you if see if, if you've heard any uh you know rumors anything behind the scenes um you know any cloak and dagger stuff i'd be uh, you know very interested in but um you know the the philadelphia 76ers are going to go through an interesting couple of weeks here where uh we know Embiid is dealing with a non-trivial injury maxi's dealing with a non-trivial trivial injury they can't really afford to slide into the four draw the celtics in the second round of the playoffs and expect to do anything special this year so uh, i'm definitely curious if uh, the sixers have anything up their sleeves especially because they dealt Harden, and at the time, it was stated out loud by people in charge, "We're going to make a move at some point. This is setting us up for that next move." And you know, for there was a couple months there where it felt like ah, they don't need to do anything. Like this is the best team that they've had. Nick Nurse was a great addition. Like uh, Embiid and, and is is in an MVP yeah. low. He may have even stepped his game up. Maxi took a step forward. Everybody's fine. Let's just keep it as is. But um, now I'm kind of wondering, like uh, you know, they're going to need some help to help kind of keep 
the things afloat uh, through the middle portion of the season while presumably their guys get healthy. And, uh, you know, supposedly they do have some of the uh, the X-factor trade, you know, trade pieces yeah. out there uh, to make a move. Uh, number one, have you heard anything? And number two, what would make the most sense for a team like the Sixers so that, that at full strength they would have any type of better chance to get to an Eastern Conference Finals? There's definitely been buzz that they're, look, it's Daryl Morey. Of course he's calling around like they're sure. they're definitely active like that's that's a given uh, and like you said that they've got the assets to make a move uh the problem is you kind of hit the nail on the head frankly and it's been this way i think it's a i think it's a play in related situation suddenly teams that might have been sellers are like man we can get that nine or ten seed and we can get into the playoffs and we can make a little run hey the lakers were in the play in last year and uh, the heat were in the play in and like, Hey, look what can be done. And so teams are not selling as fast or not lowering the price. Um, I.e. Kyle Kuzma, you know, the, the wizards who are kind of keeping the price higher than everybody else wants to pay to get him. So um, that said, I've heard they're active, but they don't really like the market either. Like who, mm. who's out there that really grabs them from a team that's selling. Um, I think they could really use – I mean, if they could get somebody like DeAndre Hunter or some people out of – Atlanta's selling everybody. Like some sure. wing help, some defense would be good for them. But somebody to go with Tobias Harris out there. But mm-hmm. um, there's everybody's looking for wings. The guy they needed is a Nick. So. <laughs> yeah. I think good point. the thing with this deadline is that when you look at the title odds, the five teams most likely to win the title – are the Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, Nuggets, and Clippers. Uh, not in that order, but those are the five. Like, the Celtics have no maneuverability. Like, with their situation with the apron, they can't really do that much. The Bucks have no assets left. The Nuggets, uh, they're done. The Clippers, they made their move. Maybe they can make one around the margins, but these teams aren't really yeah. doing anything. And the Sixers, they're the swing piece because they do have assets. They have all these contracts, but they've also got a guy who, I mean, watching Embiid against Golden State was just kind of sad watching him drag his leg around. He shouldn't have been yeah. out there. And I'm just waiting at any moment that we're going to get a report, maybe not out of this injury, but maybe the next one, which seems like it's always around the corner, that he's just out for four to six weeks. And this team might be a six seed when it's all said and done. So you have to be concerned about them too. And watching the Bucks blazers game last night, it just reinforced to me that the Celtics, they really should just walk the East. They really should <laughs> make finals this year because they have so I think that if you take any player off of the Celtics outside of Tatum, I think with home court, they are still favored to beat any other team in the East at the moment yeah. with how the Bucs are struggling on defense and everything that Philly is going through. But Cody mentioned the Hawks. Uh, so in terms of them selling everyone, do you think they're actually going to find a deal for DeJounte? Does everyone really want DeJounte? Like, the idea that DeJounte was going to come in and be the defensive stopper next to Trey Young. DeJounte is not good on defense at the moment. He weighs 180 pounds and he can't stay in front of people. He's been negative defensive EPM both his years in Atlanta. Do you think they actually are able to move him or Hunter? Or what do you think their team looks like, you know, 10 days from now? I do think they end up making some moves um, just because what they've got isn't working. Um, and Quinn Snyder is going to want – apparently wants to do this around Trey Young – there's a lot of people around the league, but quietly, quietly are like, would you move Trey? Would you like yeah. really reset this thing? Can you win with Trey? But if they're no, if they're going to stick with him, they might as well move to Jante now and get, they may not get everything they want, but 
get something. Maybe you can flip. I, I get why you don't want D'Angelo Russell, but you can flip him this summer into something. If you're not, if you've accepted you're not going anywhere, then accept it and, and kind of go all in. That's, I think there's a few teams that probably should do that. Probably just say, hey, we kind of suck and mm. we're, not, we're not getting better. We should sell more than we are, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on in Washington. Um, it, it seems confusing at times. And, and Atlanta, I think they'll make moves, but I'm not sure ownership there is ready to do the kind of rebuild they really should do. Jeez. Wow. <clears throat> well, um, I think we can lock in the Celtics roster as is. I think we can yeah. lock in the Clippers and the uh, and the Nuggets as is. Um, and you know, very again, very interested in seeing what happens with the Sixers if there's a you know some sort of wild wild move in the cards there for them that is unexpected. But uh, just again, considering who's available, it's probably not happening. Which leaves us with the Bucks that Jay mentioned. <clears throat> they fire Griffin. They bring in Doc. The zeitgeist around the NBA was kind of like it had to happen. You're bringing in a guy who's at least uh, lifted up the trophy before. He's got a you know uh, you know a pretty uh, long record of um, you know playoff experience, if not lots of game seven success. Um, but uh, you know the the kind of key at the moment, like our immediate reaction the day it happened, recording this pod, we were kind of like, uh, you don't have a point of attack defender. Does changing coaches and scheme being fortified, does that really, uh, you know, change much for them? Um, You know, is there someone around the fringes who's maybe not like an obvious, the standout difference maker, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, but it doesn't matter because he does shore up the point of attack defense for this uh, Bucks team that could kind of level things at the top or uh, is uh, sort of the Bucks, are they made to, you know, to go to war with who they've got and they're just going to have to win by scoring 130 in a given night? I think it's more who they've got. Um, I think if Doc can clear up some of it, the transition defense will get better. It's horrible, and Doc's teams eschew. They don't want anything to do with offensive rebounding. They're, they're all the way back on defense. He'll he'll clean up some of that. He'll get some buy-in from them. But there's a lot of work to do there. They just, like you, Jay said, you watched them the other night against Portland, and it's like, this is a contender? This team's got a lot of steps to make before it's the stupid mistakes of, Hey, I know we're going to inbound the ball. And then we're going to get back to Dame with a head of steam. Let's inbound the ball to our worst free throw shooter and watch him get fouled. Um, Just, they've got a lot of things that I think they need to clean up. And it's just, it's hard to believe that that's suddenly going to flip. I'm I'm kind of with Jay. It's, it's Boston. And I'll ask you guys this. Because yeah. I'm actually writing this. It'll be up when, pe- when people are watching this. You can go to NBC Sports and see the story. Are the Knicks – like, is, a, is there a path for the Knicks to the Eastern Conference Finals right now? Oh, definitely. Like, all yeah. of these – Three seed. <laughs> Three seed. They're, 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 yeah, we're there. I think there's a path for the Cavs as well. Like, the Cavs could absolutely beat the Bucs uh, in a series. And I think the thing, I, Kurt, with the Bucs is that – so, statistically, you look at their lineup combinations. When they have – when they have their top four guys, when Lillard, Giannis, Brooke, and Middleton, when they're all on the floor, they're amazing. Like they have, I think, like a plus fifteen net rating. Yeah. But the problem is, is that whenever you intro, whenever you take split those guys up, and particularly when you split up Giannis and Brooke, if you split up Giannis and Brooke, there is just no path to defense because right. they need both of those guys on the floor. I think it's kind of gone. It's a little bit underrated. We'll talk about this with MVP. 
Like Giannis is having an incredible season. This is his best season in a few years. He's really revved it up on defense in particular, uh, but there's just nothing there. Like Malik Beasley was played out of the Lakers rotation because of his defense, and now he's their wing stopper. Like he is their designated wing stopper, and they're yeah. playing like campaign and Pat Connaughton's fallen off a cliff. So I don't know. They, I think they're going to have to just do it with offense, uh, mm. and then hope that they just find some sort of continuity and and get the low hanging fruit with the transition defense and all I, of that. Look, I don't want to jinx this and speak it into existence because I want the Celtics to win for lots of reasons. <laughs> uh, but uh, if I'm the Bucks, I'm making a call to the Grizzlies. Another couple weeks, Marcus Smart's going to, the big finger's going to be back. You know, he, he'll be back on the court. The Grizzlies aren't doing anything this year. Like, what what, what is having Marcus Smart do for them building, you know, in a, in a future building mode? Like, he he does, though, uh, immediately, like, have a role on that team, particularly defensively. And, uh, uh, you know, if you want somebody with a little bit of familiarity about specifically how to defend the Celtics, Marcus Smart seems like a decent guy to have in the room. So I don't know if that's even feasible for them to uh, put the package together to make the swap, but uh, I would at least give the Grizzlies a call because the Grizzlies have some nice bigs, too, who they might not. Not, uh, uh, you know, might might be a decent uh, little depth for your, uh, you know, your 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 front your back your front court there. So we'll see. You think uh, any chance Smart gets moved? I would be surprised. I've heard that Memphis basically they really like their team. They didn't get to see it this year. We're going to sit on it, come back next year, and you know, watch out for us when we're going to be back to being who we're supposed to be. So um, that said, I think there is room to move around the edges with them. I don't know about Smart, but. Sante Aldama, some of these guys, they've got some guys who could help a lot of teams um, on, a, on a pretty deep squad that, that are getting minutes now. You might be able to poach one of them for I – mean, look, they're about to get expensive, really expensive. And while their owner has quietly drifted up to the top of near the richest owners in the NBA list, they might want to trim some payroll um, just to stay, you know, with that second apron hanging out there and, and all the money jaw and Jared Jackson Jr. and everybody are going to make. So maybe you could poach some of them, but I, I've heard they're largely just understand where they're at. Yep. Marcus Smart, recent award winner, uh, Defensive Player of the Year 2022. We'll get to awards on the other side of this, but first, the countdown to spring training is on. So for those looking to get a head start on the upcoming MLB season, grab your Roto World Baseball Draft Guide. It's loaded with comprehensive positional rankings, projections, and player profiles to ensure your draft is a success. Visit NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use code BASEBALL24 to get 10% off at checkout. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. 
Okay, let's get into these awards markets. Everyone starts with MVP, but screw it, Kurt. We're starting with six man of the year. Uh, we're a little more hard <laughs> out. This, this, is, this is the award that uh, that hurts my brain the most, given that it is a, uh, I think it's a relatively uninspiring and uncertain field at the moment. Tim Hardaway is the favorite uh, at minus 110. He's quietly started 10 of the past 23 games, though, and that team is 26 and 22. Malik Monk is the second favorite. Malik Monk played 14 minutes on Wednesday night, and he hasn't topped 20 minutes in any of the last four games. Then you have Jordan Clarkson, Benedict Matherin, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Karis Levert, Nazareed, Norm Powell. Uh, I think, look, this has typically been a points-per-game award, and that's why Hardaway is your favorite because he's he's lapping everyone in that. So uh, two questions for you, Kurt. One, do you buy Hardaway as the favorite? And then second, if he kind of just falls out of this, be it through starting too much or the Mavs fall off a cliff, then who emerges from this morass? So I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I About two weeks ago, I was writing up my awards, you know, MVP on Monday, Defensive Player of the Year Tuesday. We all went through all the awards, got to Friday, had listed six man of the year and said, I'm not right. Long weekend. Texted the boss like, I'm, there's just nothing here, man. It is I, the word I keep using is weak. Um, okay. cho- choose your adjective. It is a pretty bad class. I I had Monk, I guess, at the top of the list because he's actually had some big moments for Sacramento, but there's nobody inspired. I mean, if the Clippers stay this hot, do we talk a little more about Norm Powell? maybe fitting in like i i don't know it's it's that's maybe the toughest one and if people might be able to look at i'm look at the odds on that and say hey there's somebody out there who can kind of sneak in that's not you know austin reeves is going to start too many games but if 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 you can get somebody like a norm powell at a good price that might be worth a roll of dice just because it's absolutely wide open and as a voter right now i have i don't even have a one two i mean i I basically just had a list of like eight guys. The, yep. Most of a bunch of the guys you listed just with no particular order. Cause when I put them in my little spreadsheet and tried to break it out, I'm like, the list yeah. just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you, and you hold team success pretty high. I imagine. I mean, it feels like a lot of the people. That, of it, uh, I mean, okay. I need, I need said person to keep, keep the second unit flowing. Sure. Right. You know what I mean? In, in the terms of like, Hey, we're still beating teams with the second unit. And ideally that guy finishes games. In, in in your best possible world, that's a guy who comes in off the bench but ultimately is one of your best five or finishes most games. And, again, none of these guys are really yeah. – I mean, Hardaway, like you said, is putting up numbers, but he's now starting he's starting a bunch. And, and I don't know – I don't like picking the guys who – hey, he came off the bench in 43 games. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, yeah. I, I, I genuinely – as I'm just saying as a voter, I, that is one where I'm, I'm – thanks, thanks, Jay. Thanks. <laughs> no, no, I, I think I, I, no, hey, Kurt, I think you're onto something. Norm Powell has started zero games this season. Uh, and uh, I honestly, if the Clippers have success, part of my thinking is it will be because they have lineups in crunch time that have four guys that could create off the dribble. That is awesome. 
Like there is very, yeah. there are very few teams. Actually, I can't even think of like recent history where we've had like that, you know, degree of, you know, diffusion across what you're asked to do at sort of end of game situation and high leverage game. So, hey, Norm Powell, he's not having necessarily a career year by any standard. You know, it's dropped off, uh, uh, you know, the last couple of years for him in terms of points production. But, uh, you know, hey, Clip, Clippers, uh, Clippers are a good team. He's part of the reason why. Um, and he's 41. This is the year where this is so wide open that that might do it. Yeah, you know, what I mean, like yep. it, it's it's because there's not a Tyler Hero kind of guy standing out. Like I I don't know where we go. Yeah, Pal is an interesting one because he's kind of like a a worse, a slightly worse version of Brogdon's case last year, where he's on a really good sure. team. He's not putting up huge volume stats, but he's sixty four percent true shooting. I think the biggest problem for Pal is that. Like is is that his second unit or is it Russell Westbrook's? Because Westbrook's well, the guy who has the ball in his hands a ton uh, and has quietly yeah. turned the corner. He's 100 to 1. I don't think Russ is going to win this award, but uh, that just kind of dilutes it further. I think that ultimately this will probably shake out. Something will happen like Karis LeVert will learn how to shoot again and the Cavs will get a two seed and he'll be 16 and 4 on a two seed or the Hawks will figure it out a little bit and Bogdan Bogdanovich, who has on indiv- individually yeah. has a good case, but he's just being yeah. weighed down by the team at the moment. So I and, think things will get that, easier. That might, again, this might be the kind of year where that doesn't matter as much, right? Yeah, because, sure. because there's not a, a stud on a good team coming off the bench where you're like, okay, this guy. Um, I don't. Does Denver even have a sixth player? <laughs> is it Reggie Jackson? Peyton Watson's the guy who yeah. kind of comes in. No, not really yeah, he's, I, I, yeah, I like him. Uh, yeah. But no, he's not putting up enough production, I don't think, to get yeah, considered. It's this is tough. Yeah, I, I don't know where that one's going. Let's, well, uh, let's move to the uh, yeah. Let's move to the uh, let's move to the MVP market. Let's talk yep. about the main event here. Been a big week for MVP market as yep. Joel Embiid has uh, effectively bowed out. Uh, not really, obviously, actively bowing out, but uh, hurt to the point where it's very very tough to see him finding uh, his way across the finish line in terms of games required. Um, so the. You know, attention turns to Mr. Nikola Jokic, uh, a player that a lot of us were betting aggressively in the two to one in the November time frame, and then suddenly very concerned about how Embiid ran him down in terms of production and passed him in terms of uh, just offensive, um, you know, prominence this season to where it felt uh, like something like this was going to have to happen to get Jokic back in the conversation. Well, he's now minus 130. Um, that is a huge gap over the uh, second tier of players led by uh, Shade Jolis Alexander. At three to one, uh, Luka Doncic to plus five fifty, and Giannis at the seven to one range. Uh, Embiid, by the way, has drifted all the way out to twenty to one, and by this time next week, maybe off boards. Um, do you think that what you've seen from Jokic this year, and, and in particular a Nuggets team that's kind of meh and fourth right now in the West, is is that an is there has has there been enough from him to warrant a gap like this? Because this is this is basically telling you that. Yeah, by the time we get to the All-Star break, this is going to be a wrap. And I honestly don't really have a sense that that's true. It's because it's not true. I I (laughs) genuinely think Shea Gilgis-Alexander has a very legitimate chance to win this. To me, Hmm. assuming, assuming, um, you know, water from Lords doesn't heal Embiid, it's a two-man race to me. I mean, I think we talked about Giannis a little bit earlier. Having a really good defensive season, but with the Bucks malaise and stuff, I'm just not sure he's in the top three. Tatum's not there. Doncic isn't there, especially if the Mavs continue to struggle. It's a to me, it's a two man race, and I might have Shea in front right mm-hmm. now. Like it'd be really close 
Um, it was really close at the midpoint. I ended up with Shea second and Jokic third, but I had those top three basically in a tier. Like mm-hmm. I, I could have gone any direction with that. Um, I, I think it, I like just in terms of betting, especially. I don't think that not, Jokic deserves to have that kind of number in front of him because Shea can absolutely catch him. I think the thing with this award that makes it so difficult to, to bet and project is that if Nikola, if he wants to win MVP, Jokic, he can yeah. just go and win it. Like he, the past 10 or 12 games, he has really revved it up. And it's so noticeable when he played the Bucks, when he played the Celtics, he just goes to a different level. Uh, and I think Malone took those games really seriously as well. Like Jokic played the whole third quarter against the Bucks and then came back in with 8.30 left in the fourth. And if Jokic is going to play like big minutes and with that level of intensity, then he's just he's just better than Shea and Luca and Giannis, frankly, I think. But he also averaged 22 points per game in December and just kind of took the month off uh, relative to what he can do. So I would expect, based on what Jokic did last season, that I don't think he's going to rev it up the rest of the year, whereas you know that Shea and Luca and Giannis, that they will go all out these last couple of months, whereas Jokic perhaps is going to be a little bit more, uh, I guess, reserved in a way and just save it for the bigger games. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that Shea and Jokic should be more bunched together, and I think that Giannis is more likely to be a threat to those two than Luca, just because Luca's team is 26 and 22 and they're in the play-in. And Giannis plays – I think Giannis plays – eight national TV games between like February 25 and March 27. So if he has big explosions then and the wow. Bucks write themselves, then I think he gets in the mix. But I agree. I think yeah. that Jokic and Shea. And, and, and uh, yeah. The Bucks have the toughest schedule remaining in the NBA. Like they yeah. have a brutal schedule the rest of the way. And you're right. He's on national TV a lot. He could he could flip the switch. I'm curious, by the way, you're, with your thinking, though, the Nuggets, like you said, what are they fourth right now, right, as, as we yeah. speak? Last year, they were nine games out in front and took their foot off the gas, yeah. and, and that didn't help his MVP cost. They can't do that this year. I'm curious if they run through the tape a little bit more just because they kind of have to. You guys uh, you guys are having this conversation literally in the shadow of him ducking SGA in Oklahoma City <laughs> so that he could play that third quarter. I mean, like, I, like honestly, like, what, what was the thinking there? Like, <laughs> more important game is OKC. Like, what, I, think- I, I don't know. I didn't get it. There was, I think there's a rest spot thing there where by missing that game, it's like he only has to play two games in, and they're both against Portland. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're both against the Blazers. So I think those off, buddy. Yeah, I think that's a rest thing. But I agree, Kurt. Like, he's, Jokic. He's not going to duck DeAndre Ayton, man. No, no. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I, uh, I wouldn't have thought so. I agree. I think the one little underrated thing with Jokic is that a lot of his MVP production came without. Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray either being there or being 100%. I think when they're at full strength, like he just doesn't score as much because those guys take up some of the scoring. So I think that's something that people haven't maybe thought about as much. But, you know, he clearly is good enough to win the award. It's just a matter of whether, you know, he does go all out to do so. But, I mean, you look at EPM right now. Like, Shea is lapping everyone. Like, if you take out Embiid, um, by advanced stats, Shea is right there. Let's, uh, let's go to... Most improved player, always a very strange award, very subjective. Obviously, do you go, you know, fringe all-star to star or do you go kind of nobody to fringe all-star? So very much in the eye of the beholder. Tyrese Maxey is minus 225. He is kind of, he's been the favorite pretty much since the start of the season. Alperin Shangun has become entrenched as his main contender, at least in the market. And then you have Kobe White, Scotty Barnes, Jonathan Kaminga has been a bit of a mover. 
in this market. Uh, do you think that Tyrese warrants this level of favoritism, Kurt? And, uh, and either way, do you think there is someone who can challenge him? I think Shingun definitely challenges him. I'm high. I think Scotty Barnes does too. I think. Okay. I think sometimes we sleep on the leap he's made this year, and and I think fans do not even. I don't even casual fans like fans do because we don't get to see Toronto unless you're on League Pass. Like Toronto doesn't exist in the NBA market, television market. So Scotty Barnes has been fantastic this year. Shingun has absolutely become the core future. There's been a nice Jalen Green few games, but. Um, but Shingun looks like the anchor for whatever's going to be build a, built in Houston. But I think what gets Maxi the front runner spot for me right now is not just that he made a leap. It's that he made a leap in that situation under that pressure. Like, right. Harden's gone. Here's the ball. And over time, over this season, um, before the injuries kind of have racked them the last couple of weeks, his playmaking, his passing, his ability to find Embiid, like he was finding Embiid with some of those pocket passes and things that that Harden did almost instinctually. Maxi's gotten better over the course of this year and really improved in that role. So um, I, I think he's the guy I, – I definitely think he's the front runner, but I don't have him very far in front of Shingun, who I think is made – sometimes, sometimes it helps to be the guy you didn't expect to make the leap. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I think I'm a Shingun, yeah, well. big time Shingun believer here. Like, uh, yeah, it's in, you know, in a large part because Jay talked me into Shingun being the guy in the draft. <laughs> you remember a million years ago when yeah, people, you know, they've seen. He, wasn't yeah. he in a wine cellar? Is, have I got the right guy, or am I thinking of somebody else? It would be very on brand if he was in a wine cellar. <laughs> I agree. Um, the thing with Shingun too is that he's a bit more of a. I guess, traditional candidate and that he's gone from like 14 points per game up to around 22, whereas yeah. Maxi and I wouldn't like, I think that Maxi's leap is harder to make going from fringe yes. all-star to like legitimate star and I would weigh that uh, probably more heavily. But uh, yeah, I don't think this race is done. I think Embiid being hurt kind of it creates more variance in this market because I think Maxi, he was on the path to winning this award. Now, if Embiid, like, his, his volume is going to go up, but his efficiency is already down on last year. And I think you forgive that because he's taking on so much more of a load. But, I mean, if he has a shooting slump and the Sixers start dropping some games, then it might get a little bit more precarious yeah. for him. Uh, really, we need to give Kobe White some love. Kobe White has sure. really stepped up his game this year. I, I don't know that he's winning this award, but for a team desperate for a point guard, um, he's he's done well filling that role this year, better than I expected. Yep. Just quickly on Kobe White, Kurt, I'm interested in your thoughts on, because he's gone from like, I think, nine points per game to 19. That's a massive leap year on year. Yeah. But earlier in his career, he did average like 15 points per game. Yeah. Do you weigh that in or is that just kind of a random thing and it's more just year on year improvement? No, I, I want to see it. Over, I don't think that that's random. I think part of that's usage and part yeah. of how they're using him. And I think he's, I think he's in a good spot for him right now. Although part of that, again, is just, I feel like, talking about point guards with the bulls, I'm going to roll an ankle. Like I don't yeah. like it's, it's been such a mess that he's, he's had the opportunity, but he's also grabbed it. So yeah. Um, I, yeah. Good for him. I've always, I've always been a little higher on him than most. So I, I have a soft spot for him. Um, maybe it's just, I'm jealous of his hair, but <laughs> I, good hair. I'm good, <laughs> <a> good hair. <laughs> no um, doubt. But I, I, I thought he could, I've thought for a while he could kind of, 
be more this guy. So I'm just happy to see him living up to that potential. Yeah. Bulls are really tough to press. <laughs> Cause like, I kind of can't tell if they're, they might be good at right now. And it's very tough to put your finger on how or why, or, and you know, and just in general, what are they going to look like in a month? Uh, you know, who are they best off, you know, playing, starting, closing? Like it's all very, very tough right now. Um, the, uh, pivoting to the coach of the year market, uh, and again, you know, hat tip to, uh, uh, Mr. Donovan for developing those young men, but uh, you know the the coach of the year market is 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 pretty interesting to us. Yeah. Um, Dagano is definitely losing a little bit of steam, despite the fact that the Thunder continue to win. Um, but you know the credit is starting to shift a little bit more to the players instead of what he's doing, which. Right or wrong, it doesn't necessarily, you know, don't, I don't have a strong opinion on it. Um, and I think it's setting up where you have this interesting three-man race at the top where you have three teams all uh, in the West, all that could be surprise one seeds in the West. I don't think anyone realistically thought the Clippers were going to get there, even though there was yeah. a lot of preseason rumoring that Harden was going to go. Um, and so I guess, <clears throat> is coach of the year market as straightforward as who gets the one seed in the West? I don't know that it's going to be quite that straightforward. Um, some of the guys I thought were – look, I thought Nurse was in the middle of this thing a few sure. weeks ago. Um, and I frankly think him falling out is less him and more the injuries. Like it's not like he's suddenly doing something different, but uh, wins do matter here. Um, same with Spo and Eric Spolstro I thought was bolstering a, a really good Heat team farther than it probably could have gone on this – Look, look, they expected to have name. They didn't. They kept winning, but that's that's come back to earth a little. I think it's kind of, in my mind, it's kind of Degnall and Lou, uh, Ty yeah. Lue. Um, okay. Ty Lue, De, first off, you mentioned the, the coaches. Degnall, Degnall's really popular among other coaches for his sets. They really mm -hmm. do like his X's and O's and some of the – he's considered really creative at getting guys' balls in the right spot and, and kind of doing that. Lou – is a very good tactician, but I think his mastery this year and why he might be on top right now for me, I, I, I have them kind of in a coin flip, is watching him handle Harden coming in, which could have been massively disruptive, um, and then the Russell Westbrook situation where, yeah, there were six ugly games in there, but he let Westbrook figure out, oh, I kind of need to be on the bench. Because if Westbrook's got to buy into that, and if it's top down, like even with you guys, I mean, you know, when you're dealing with, if Adam gives you an idea, it's a horrible idea. But if it's your idea, then it's a great idea. Now, Adam's never going to have you back on the show now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Adam Wise, top and strays. But in any job, when it's your idea, you become a little more invested. Yes. And it was always Phil Jackson's mastery at getting guys, convincing guys what he wanted them to do was what they wanted to do. Yeah. I did that here. He waited it out until Russell Westbrook bought in. And now, like you were saying earlier, Jay, he's a little up and down, night in and night out. Man, he brings energy. He just comes in. He's, Russell Westbrook, if nothing else, has always played at 110 miles an hour. And that really works in a six man role. Um, so I just think the way he's managed the personalities of this team and gotten, hey, hey, Quat, we're not taking as many nights off. Hey, you know, we're, we're going to start doing it this way. It's worked. And I think that that team management's 
he deserves credit for that. Yeah, especially in the light of the fact that they crashed out of the playoffs ignominiously last year. <laughs> like that wasn't a very competitive effort from them uh, in uh, you know that that Sun series, and ultimately, like that's the kind of you know end of the season where you are, are disappointing and the players are kind of ready to move on. And yeah. he somehow has wrestled them back into, no, we are now, you know, just as good as you reigning champions. And, and, uh, uh, and you know, the, a dark horse ish, not really, I guess, a dark horse, I don't think there's second dark, choice I, with the West. I, I don't think they're a dark horse. Yeah. I might, I'm tempted right now. I mean, we're, I don't have to obviously make playoff predictions for a while, um, sure. but I, right now, might pick the Clippers to come out of the West. And that scares me because I've got the scars from picking the Clippers in previous seasons. Like it's yeah, like in the bubble when the when they had the uh they had the nuggets on the rope. But yeah, now I, they got Ty Lue instead of Doc I, Rivers. So everything's yeah, fixed. No, I've, <laughs> I've I've picked them a bunch of times. It's just hard it's hard for me to say I mean outside of the, the Clipper I don't know what the what the Clipper persona, the Clipper image beyond that it's hey this is a team more potentially susceptible to injuries and there's the james harden in the playoffs thing sure. like it, it, there are legitimate concerns about them in the postseason but to get them to this point where we can legitimately have a discussion like could they beat the nuggets is way farther than i thought they'd be this year yep no, absolutely. And I think the thing with Harden is that like he's never had to only be the third best guy. And I think on yeah. this team, that's all he needs. And to your point about Russ, I think Russ deserves a lot of credit for being the defensive player that he's become because there were years yeah. where he was a liability on that end. And now he, he's a plus defensively. And yeah, I think with all these personalities and also the fact that I would say like 95% uh, of reaction to the Harden trade was negative. And the fact that Lou has flipped that on its head where this team, everyone believes in the Clippers yeah. now as they should. They've effectively been the best team in the NBA since that rough six-game stretch to start. So no, I'm with you. And I think that it's kind of farcical that Lou is plus 900 and Dagnow's plus 130 and Finch is plus yeah. 220. Like those guys should be bunched together. But to me, by the way, Finch should be in the discussion. And you know who we've kind of not discussed, but at least, I look, is in consideration for my ballot right now is Jamal Mosley. Hmm. The job he's done in Orlando, who's they, they've stumbled a little more of late, but he's building something there and developing guys like Bancaro that that and Suggs, um, this defensive first system that I, I think you know, I, I think Orlando's on the right track and he should get a lot of credit for that. Yep, absolutely. I think and also like if the Cavs get a two seed with all these injuries, bigger stuff might edge into the conversation a little bit. Joe Mazzulla just doesn't get the credit. But, I mean, if the Celtics win, like, 66 games or something, yeah. like, he's probably going to be at least in the mix to finish uh, on ballots. But I agree. I think ultimately I think ultimately, it will be Dagnow or Lou with, with Finch also uh, in the mix. Kurt, we've kept you way too long. Thank you so much for your time. Can you tell people uh, what you're working on at the moment? Um, well, as you mentioned, as we discussed at the top, there may be some trade stuff coming up. Um, I will be meeting in trade talk at NBCSports.com for the next week. But also, as I mentioned earlier, story out now on, hey, man, I think the Knicks can make a run. And we didn't even get into the discussion of, like, can Jalen Brunson really be Jimmy Butler? Sure. Um, I got my questions about this team, but they have set themselves up and the East is setting up for them to to make a run. And and I, it's it's finally a chance for New York fans to brag. Yeah. So, you know. 
Yeah. Jalen yeah, Brunson, so. weirdly the uh, the biggest snub among the all-star starters, in my opinion. Uh, not exactly sure what Dame Lillard has done this year to warrant starting at the all-star game, but that's fine. That's that's a fan vote, baby. That was a fan yeah. vote. Okay, yeah, I can't have that. I, I was in the Garden Court last Saturday for Nick's Heat, and in person in particular, Brunson is just mesmerizing. The word I use to describe yeah. him is his driving is arrhythmic. Like, you just you cannot project what, what he's going to do. Like, just his movements and his soft touch from everywhere. Uh, he is uh, he is magnificent. Uh, and, yeah, I think the Knicks, they have a realistic chance of, uh, of getting through. Defense travels, man. You yeah. can, if you can defend, you got a shot. Yep. Indeed. They get, okay. they get that Mitchell Robinson guy back. He didn't suck. So, well, that's yeah. the thing is like he he was their best defensive player, and they've had the best defense in the NBA since OG got there without him. If they can get him back, and you got you know forty eight minutes of Robinson and Hartenstein alongside OG and Hart, like this defense, you know, yeah. is potentially the best in the NBA, and you've got one of the best offensive creators in Brunson. So yeah, they are they are they are fun and they are dangerous. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Kurt. Uh, Everyone can follow Kurt on Twitter at Basketball Talk, and we will catch up with you soon. Thanks, Kurt. Thank you. Cheers. All right. Before we close out, trying to find something to watch on Sunday afternoon with NFL football going away, Drew. Peacock has something for you. Don't miss your chance to watch 100 and 200 meter world champion Noah Lyles at the USA Track and Field New Balance Indoor Grand Prix this Sunday. Coverage of the event begins at 4 p.m. Eastern. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. NBA slate on Friday, Drew. Anything on your card? It's a weird one. Uh, no clear standout spots except for the Kings having a pretty massive rest advantage over the Pacers. Pacers are playing Thursday night at New York. Then they go home and host the Kings. Weird that you know you, you rarely see um, you know teams that are home at this type of a disadvantage, but the Pacers are. So uh, going to be looking for an opportunity to get involved with the Kings in some way, shape or form. But uh, you know, it depends on, you know, how, how uh, the market manifests there. Uh, decent advantage for Toronto at Houston, decent advantage for Golden State Warriors at Memphis. Uh, that one's probably the most interesting because Memphis is of course is hosting Cleveland on Thursday night and they are massively injured. <laughs> like I really don't know how those guys are going to be able to play the minutes that they are playing. on Thursday and then get back up and go to war with a a Warriors team that's figuring some things out. So um, Golden State is going to be a pretty hot side against Memphis, I would say. So uh, the three that really stand out are three roadies. A couple might be favorites, but uh, Golden State Warriors, the Sacramento Kings, and the Toronto Raptors. 
Okay, there you go. And uh, next time everyone hears us, Drew and I will be in Las Vegas on Radio Row, hijacking Mike Florio's set, uh, I believe, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, so we'll have shows lined up all week there. We'll do a live watch along uh, to the NFL Awards. Uh, and if Joe Flacco wins Comeback Player of the Year, uh, we'll end the broadcast. Uh, and uh, I will never be seen again. I will just lose myself into the uh, into the Vegas uh, inferno as uh, Hunter S. Thompson did once upon a time in the 1970s. Uh, what are you looking most forward to in Vegas, Drew? Uh, what's the word show broadcast, period? Yeah. Uh, that's going to be super fun. Um, and I, it just, it, you know, and by proxy, like those markets being graded, um, feels like an eternity since we've kind of known what's going to happen here. And it would be, uh, you know, it would be useful to know what we're working with in terms of liquidity for Super Bowl betting. So, you know, <laughs> that getting here is going to be huge. And, you know, in the awards show, if you're sweating comeback player of the year the most aggressively, for me, it's going to be the uh, defensive player of the year, not just because of the way I staked it, but because I've kind of talked myself into that one being a wrap. And, uh, you know, you never really want to, you never really want to count out TJ Watt until he is uh, truly, uh, you know, out of the out of the uh, race. So uh, that's the one I'm going to be sweating the most. Yeah, I think we'll we'll break all of these down when we do the watch along, which will be on the NBC Sports YouTube channel at 9 p.m. Eastern next Thursday night. But I think that uh, you know the the awards that are still somewhat in doubt, like Defensive Player of the Year. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year. Like, I think the chalk choices for all of those are like 95 to 99%. Like, I think they're almost done, but sometimes not to be too uh, macabre, but uh, sometimes you just have to see the tombstone, you know? Uh, You just got to, you just have to see these, (laughs) you have to see the threats buried. Uh, And the last two times I've been at the Super Bowl, Drew, had a, two years ago, had a big position on, uh, Jonathan Taylor to win Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, and that morning uh, in the hotel lobby, bumped into Jonathan Taylor. Uh, right. And then he lost. And then, uh, and then last year, I think we both needed Kyle Shanahan uh, to win Coach of the Year. And then Brian Dayball beats him by, I think, three votes. And then, as I've talked about before, my plane ride home the next day, next morning, uh, sitting next to Brian Dayball. Uh, so I look forward to uh, to Kevin Stefanski hitting me over the head with a baseball bat uh, in Las Vegas uh, as my next uh, awards show encounter. But, uh, but no, that'll be a lot of fun Thursday night. Hopefully it'll be a lot of fun after if we can uh, celebrate and, uh, and TJ Watt doesn't surface uh, and others. But that'll no be great. Okay, we are done. Uh, no show on Monday next week as we'll be traveling to Vegas, but we'll have episodes Tuesday through Saturday from Radio Row at the Super Bowl. In the meantime, don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those of you watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. Thanks again to Kurt Heelan for joining us. Good luck, everyone, with your bets, and we will see you in Las Vegas.